0: This is where we talk about learning, skilling, and everything education. Welcome to the Tinkerbola Show. Hello everyone, this is Ryan Shada here, and I have Anish Malpani with me today. Anish is a social impact entrepreneur, and he has also designed his own custom MBA over the past two and a half years. Uh, This is something we talk about in detail in this episode and we also talk about his passion for social impact how it came about and what he is planning on doing um, with his own social impact project called ashaya this is a superb episode a uh, lot of learning in this one for me and i'm sure you will enjoy it as well cool anish very very good to have you on the Thinkbola show thanks so much for joining me
1: uh, it's a pleasure, man. I'm excited to talk to you, Ryan, like always.
0: It's awesome. Awesome. So I've got a bunch of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, but uh, before we get started, why don't you take a couple of minutes to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your journey over the last three, four years, maybe?
1: Sweet. Yeah. Um, so it all started off, I think, going down a very like conventional path, right? Like uh, went, um did like Went to university in the States, studied, um, um, studied finance and sports management. I actually was into sports, so I tried to pursue that. Quickly realized that sports wasn't necessarily the best place to, for me to have a career, which is also another story of its own. But realized that I had to add finance to my repertoire to kind of make sure I get a job after I graduate. Um, and I think that's that was what society had geared me for, right? Like go to a good school, get good grades, go to a university, get good grades, get a good job, make money, right? And my dream, I remember, was to go to New York and live in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was, I think, 26, I finally moved um, to New York. Um, I got promoted and got, got to New York. And I was like, this is it. I'm so excited. I'm like, this is what, you know. Uh, I've been dreaming of. um, And then I spent about a few years there and started realizing that I was very depressed. And I wouldn't say clinically depressed because um, I I didn't get myself diagnosed or anything, but I did book three appointments with psychologists. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't go to any of them, Uh, but yeah, I was really down. And it didn't make any sense because I had a good job. um, I was making good money. I was living in New York. I could pretty much do anything I wanted to do. um, And I was still really down. And then I think began this like cliched like process of like introspection, right? I realized that this is not it. I can't, I can't be doing this. Um, so I knew I was going to quit, but I couldn't just quit overnight, right? The, the, the whole quitting process took like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and But as soon as that idea was seated in my head, thanks to the great support I had from my family and from friends, um, just to kind of encourage that move as well, I started thinking for myself. Um, and it sounds really cliched and corny, but it, it really was that um, start thinking for myself, started reading more, start having more conversations and, you know, began down this, um, inner journey. Um, I think came out of it knowing that I wanted to do something more with my life. Right. Um, that was not about making money. Um, that it was about, you know, making an impact. Um, and that came from like a deep, deep, like, you know, um, in a desire, I guess, to, to, do, to do better. And I think we, that's, a, that's another different like, uh, conversation that we can have. Yes. Um, but yeah, so then um, I realized that I wanted to go back to India, work on poverty because I feel like poverty is the greatest injustice, um, greatest man-made injustice at least. Um, and, uh, uh, and I knew I wanted to do it through social enterprise, but I knew nothing about the impact space, <laughs> about the social impact space and nothing about um, India because I hadn't lived there for like 20 years. So I spent the last, so I spent the next three years, which is the last three years of my life, um, trying to learn as much as I can about the social impact space and about India, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and that's what gave rise to you know the custom MBA or, and I didn't even, it, it didn't even think of it as a custom MBA, right? It was just like, <laughs> hey, learn, the best way of learning um, is by doing. So I'm like, yeah, let me do. Um, so I spent the last three years and three, you know, three living in various countries,
0: um, and yeah, and I can get, get into more
1: detail there. Like, I don't know how you want me to proceed.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's super interesting here. So, I mean, even when I called it the custom MBA and as you were talking just now, actually I was thinking it was more about just customizing an educational experience that you needed, right. Or that you saw the, the need for, uh, given what you wanted to do. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So, um. Tell us a little bit about how you started to figure out what you needed to learn. I mean, what did that process entail?
1: Um, so yeah, it, 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 it wasn't like, Oh, I thought of, I figured everything out. Um, in you know, in the beginning, it was like, it was a process that evolved, um, as time progressed. Uh, but I think the most important piece was finding your big goal, right? Uh, I remember reading this book um, called Grit by Angela Duckworth, um, which talks about the importance of hard work. But she she mentions a very important or interesting um, idea there. She's like, it's very important between the ages of 25 to 35 to find your big goal, right? And this big goal is something that's not too vague or not too specific, right? Like her big goal was she wants to maximize the potential of children right? That's her goal. So she now writes books about grit, about hard work. She writes, she does TED Talks. She's doing research at universities. Um, that's her life goal, right? So she's gotten this big goal that she figured out when she was like 30, I think. Uh, I might be making that up, but yeah, when she was about, around that age. And now she's like, once I had that big goal, the smaller goals were much easier to figure out because the smaller goals had to contribute towards a bigger goal right? So suddenly decision making became easy. So once you committed to that, uh, everything else kind of fell in place. Um, and I think that's something that, that resonated a lot with me as well. So I think my first step was finding that, okay, what you know, what is that thing that drives me? What is that thing that annoys me? What is the thing that bothers me? What is the thing that um, I really want to try and improve, right? and And that can be that can be many things, right? I went down the impact space, um, uh, and most people, when they go down that that rabbit hole, do end up, you know, about like doing good. Uh, do end up thinking about doing good, but it could be as something as simple as like wanting to live life fully or uh, wanting to experience different like cultures. And I mean, and as much as so, it can be what you want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. I think what made the most sense to what I believe is my version of the truth was um, that you know um, I'm very fortunate to have everything that I have. Um, and um, and we live in a world where, you know, inequality and, and poverty is is still a thing. Um, and it's such a man-made, society is man-made, right? And this man-made construct is not, is just such an unfair thing to have. So I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I'm too fortunate. I want to use the fortune that I have um, to kind of, um, and, and all senses, right? Like in sense of education, sense of health and sense of, um, you know, in sense of wealth, um, I'm probably never going to go hungry. Like a lot has to go wrong for me to go hungry. So, yeah. So I really dug into that. Like, it was like, okay, so if that's what I want to do, I want to try and spend the rest of my life trying to work on getting people out of poverty. Right. So -hmm. that became my big goal. Um, and then the, so that's kind of like etched into stone and that, that took me a while to kind of figure out. Um, I read, there was another book that played a very important role. It's called The Blue Spider by Jacqueline Novogratz um, that talked about this um, and uh, talked about like, you know, social enterprise and and social impact. And um, so, yeah, so that's, once I had that figured out, I was like, okay, now it probably makes more sense for me to go to India because, you know. India is where I can make the most impact most likely because I am Indian. It matters to be local. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so suddenly the big goals are coming together over the course of the year. And once I have that, I was okay, now let what are the small goals I need to conquer? Oh, I need to kind of, you know, um, um, get my head around to get to this big goal. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And so, yeah, so I, so I decided, okay, let me, um, I, I need to learn about the social impact space. And I think the best way of learning, and this is my philosophy is that the best way of learning is by doing, um, so I've, I've, I thought that, okay, let me go and spend six months to a year in different parts of um, the developing world um, and offer my skills, which I had because of my experience in, the co- in corporate America. Okay, mm-hmm. let me exchange my skills um, and learn. So I spent about six months, I spent about 15 months in Guatemala, six months in Nairobi, um, then I pivoted a little bit. I went to London to upskill. Um, and, and, then I'm, and then I've been in India for the past eight months trying to incubate my social enterprise. So it's all kind of come together uh, and it's really exciting. Uh, yep. and, but it wasn't like the, the original plan and the final plan evolved a lot.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So at, you know, at, I'm guessing at some stage you would have considered a more formal route uh, as we all do. Um, did you do that? And if yes, what were you considering before you actually decided that, hey, I'm just going to sort of structure my own education and, and not go down the, the formal route?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think the, you know, 100% consider the MBA. Um, and I think the allure of having that stamp from a top university is really, um, you know, is really attractive. Um, and mm-hmm. it's really, um, yeah, it's something that you know, you that it's hard to not want sometimes, right? Um, especially with the world I come from. I came from the finance world, the corporate finance world. Everybody I knew was getting an MBA. Mm. Um And I remember talking to one of my mentors. Uh, I was like, hey, listen, you know, and this mentor of mine, she's amazing, right? She works in the impact space. She has an MBA, like two masters, a PhD. She's lived in 30 countries or something. Wow. Worked in those amount of countries. She's like, she's older and she still tries to learn she's learning how to code and all that she's crazy right she's a constant yeah, yeah. learner and um and she has all these degrees so i'm like okay like best person to ask right like hey yeah. so i'm considering doing an mba what do you think um and she asked me she threw back a, like any good coach slash mentor she threw back a question at me she's like okay yeah mb is always a good idea but what do you need an mba for uh, and then I, as you probably have figured by now, I like to talk and rattle along. Like I began like a process of rationalization, blah, 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 blah. and then I was like, um, to be honest, like yeah, I don't really need an MBA for what I want to do, right? If I was being um, you know straight up with me, um, I, if I want to start my social enterprise, what value is an MBA going to get going to give me, right? And she's like, bingo, there you go. If you don't need it then you shouldn't try to get it, right? She's like, when she was, the reason she got all those degrees when she was um, younger was because, first of all, it was a different world back then. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And also when you wanted to do um, social work, you know, sometimes you had to do it in the name of education. And, and she's like, all of the things I did, all of the degrees I got, I got because I wanted to go somewhere with it or get something from it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you, if, if the MBA is not going to significantly add value to your course or to your life, then, then maybe it's not worth it. Um, and I think that really struck a chord. Right. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, let's stop kidding myself. Like I gotta be honest. Um, and uh, so yeah, so it, it was, a, I considered it seriously, but then ever since I've been super, I'm super okay not having done it. I'm actually don't, I feel like, yeah, it's, um, it's something that is extremely over extremely expensive. And Mm -hmm. and we can talk about, I wrote about this, um, but like the custom MBA I did over the last like three years, last two and a half years, um, where, you know, I spent, um, uh, I was, um, I spent one fifth of um of the money that a top mba school would cost and i ended yeah, yeah. living in three different countries working with over 15 different social enterprises across um, those areas i learned a new language uh, i learned how to code um, uh, uh, but most important now i'm on three boards now i'm boards of three organizations um, but most importantly like i learned a lot about how the social impact space is and how it mm-hmm. works um, and also built an amazing network of people, which was not you know a two month internship right or wasn 't a bunch of fellow m b a s who are like you know arguably like you know like well to do and coming from similar backgrounds right yep, yep. there 's diversity in m b a classes but it 's not diversity necessarily of thought you a lot of times I think and i 'm generalizing here yeah, a lot of times you get similar goal, similar minded people. Um, So yeah, I mean, compared to what I got, I don't think any MBA school for any amount would have been able to give me that kind of experience. Um, And plus I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to change it um, as I went along. I remember the initial plan was to spend six months in Guatemala, um, six months in uh, in East Africa, six months in Southeast Asia, outside of India, six months in India. Mm -hmm. I ended up spending 15 months in Guatemala because I realized at the six month mark that I'd just about gotten hang of Spanish. I would just started to make impact within the organization. I'd been empowered to like do more. Um, And yeah, if I was an MBA, I wouldn't have gotten six months. I've gotten three months and then I would have had to leave, right? And then you're like, so I feel like now when I see like these, these resumes with MBAs on it um, with a lot of like, um, you know, w- when they say, oh, we did a two month thing here in this country, yeah. have to, I, I question, I'm like, how much value could you really add, right? Um, how much skin in the game do you have and how much of it is just like glorifying your resume, right? Uh, because yep. change in the developing world, especially in the impact space, takes time. Things are slower um, and um, and you have to win the trust of the organization and you have to be able to make a change within the organization and to the beneficiaries of the organization, right? And that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in two months. Um, yep. so the flexibility that something that as, you know, something like a custom MBA, quote unquote, um, is, is awesome. I think, I, and it's just a, it's a testament to how lucky we are to be in yep. a world where it's so easy. Like the internet's amazing. All of this was, I found through the internet and through like people, like through somebody who connected me to somebody. It was not like, oh, I was like this secret, um you know secret like door or secret like um book of information somewhere that i use this is all like google searching right um mm-hmm. so it's very accessible and yeah when covid times so, like traveling is like weird now but i think <laughs> yeah. we're back to some sort of normal which will involve some you know inter border and uh uh, 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 uh movements so so yeah. i don't- um, so, so I do see you know that being still possible. I think we're so lucky to be in a world where we're so connected, and we can just like you know literally go to a different country and and work there for a while. Oh, um, so, yeah. yeah, really powerful.
0: And that's that's awesome to hear, my friend. I, I really liked your bit about skin in the game, and that's something I've been uh, sort of thinking a lot about because it comes up in so many situations. And eventually how much you commit to something almost always comes down to how much skin you have in the game. Um, So keeping that in mind, you know, how would, um, you know, how does like a normal MBA compare to, to what you did in terms of, you know, you clearly had a vision for your future. You mentioned about that big goal, you narrowed down on the big goal, and then you knew that you had to do three, four different things before you got started. Um, So how did you develop that skin in the game? I mean, you, you clearly sound like you know exactly what you want to do. Uh, you, you pretty much figured out in terms of how you're going to do it. Of course, there are a lot of uncertainties out there, but I mean, how did you develop such skin in the game?
1: Um, that's a good question. And I think it's, um, so one of the biggest like realizations I've had is that like you have to play the long term game, right? Shane Parrish talks about this, like the importance of delayed gratification, right? So like my secret to life, quote unquote, is or, like the, or the way I look at life is that how can I take calculated risks that focus on long term gratification, right? Um, and that's where I think the magic lies, um, like you have to play the long-term game. And so, so my long-term game was to come back to India and start social enterprise focused on poverty. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I, I thought of this like three years ago, um, and you know, and month two, you could be like, yeah, Anisha, like, you know, just, you just like. you're you're, you're full of shit, right? Like this is gonna like, you're all like, this is the honeymoon phase, it's gonna all crumble, but it's been three years now and that hasn't changed, right? Um, And that even coming up with that goal took like a year. So now here I am in India, like, like getting close to like, you know, launching what I want to do as uh, the social enterprise, which after three years of like work, right? Like, and I'll call it like quote unquote research because yeah, yeah. I've worked with multiple entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs across the world. Um, and, um, and I kind of feel like I, I am I'm so ready. And I feel like if I would started three years ago versus starting now, mm. I would have also probably learned it, but in a different way altogether, right? I would have been jumping into the deep end. Sure. Um, and uh, um but like losing probably i mean investing a lot of lot more of my money and time and and learning it, I feel like in in, in the hard way because maybe I, maybe I was rushing it back then, like now I yeah. feel much more ready to do it um, so so over the last two years like i 've been trying to. Develop enough skin to yeah. eventually get in the game now, right? Like yeah, until yeah. now, I've I I still like even when I like after reading Nassim Taleb's book Skin in the Game, which is I think you know which he's kind of com- commoditized this idea of skin in the game. Yeah. I, re- I my, the way I dealt with entrepreneurs changed, right? Um, because I realized that in the end, I was somewhat of a consultant, right? Um, mm-hmm. And consultants don't have skin in the game, unfortunately. Yeah. So I so the way I talk to entrepreneurs, I'm like, hey, listen. Um, I don't have as much skin in the game as you, like you are in this for like, you know, and, and Joanne, you're a good example, right? Jigasa, like, you know, you're in, you're in it, you're an entrepreneur, Like um, you have more skin in the game than I do. So me telling you about Jigasa or how to make Jigasa better is my opinion, but please take it with a pinch of salt because I don't have all the information and I don't have enough. I'm not in it. Right. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, so I feel like it's it's all about having that perspective from the get go, right? That okay, I eventually want to be doing something which I own, which you know, I um I which I can stand for, which I build, which I create with uh, with other people, with communities, with societies. But um, I think that's the whole concept of skill in the game. And yeah. um, uh, and and when and compared to let's see a typical MBA, like going and working with entrepreneurs in the field, you for them. Um, you are developing, you are, you technically have more skin in the game than, you know, kind of like being a two month consultant or like doing a case study on them.
0: Absolutely. So I think
1: that also matters and just being cognizant of that is, is important. So I feel like that's what the consulting world, the best consultants are those I think that realize they don't have skin in the game, right? Mm -hmm. Or not have enough skin in the game. And that's why I think consultants are a sham. Like I've had very bad experiences with consultants. If you go on my LinkedIn profile, the last two or three things you'll see of mine are like consultant, 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 because... I mean, I've been doing that and I've been working with different entrepreneurs and I don't know a better way to put it than like, Hey, I'm a consultant. And in all those (laughs) cases, I've been like, Hey, I, I, you know, I'm not taking the risk that you are taking, where you're putting your money, your life, your, you know, your future on the line. I'm just kind of like learning by doing, yeah, I'm offering you a skill. I'm doing work for you. Um, but you know, I don't have any skills in the game. So yeah, so, but like, but that's, but I wouldn't be okay with that. Um, yeah. that's the only thing I did. And right? if I, you know, if I became a consultant, if anything, like when I'm older, I feel like that's a backup. If like I go broke or something, then I'll probably end up being a consultant because that's might be a way of to, way for me to make money. But mm-hmm. that's not something that I'm building us. Like I'm really excited about like starting my, building my own thing. Right. So that I can, I can be, have this kind of game and try to make the impact that I think, and I believe I can, and that I, and, and do things the way I think they should be done. Um, yeah. So that's like that. That that empowerment. Like I think you have to earn it to some extent, and it takes a lot of. I mean, it involves risk taking. And you, I mean, you. I mean, with Jagyasa and Tinkerbola, what you're doing now. Like, yeah. I mean, you. You know, you fully probably understand that as well.
0: Yeah. That's that's really interesting. So on that note, I think no better time to talk about your venture. I know you've been working on it for a while now. Obviously, COVID probably has not helped, uh, but. I would love to hear about what you're working on, and um, you know, what can we look forward to in the next few months.
1: Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's really exciting. Um, what? Uh, so as you know, I want to work on 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 poverty, right? Essentially, uh, but it's a lot more complicated than that. So the way I see poverty is it's multidimensional, which means that it's not just about not having enough money, but it's also access to healthcare, access to education, access to decent living standard. Uh, and most importantly, access to dignity, right? Um, uh, and I'm very much on the equal opportunity boat, right? I really feel like we need to kind of give people the opportunity to to do what they want to do uh, and kind of level the playing field as much as possible, understanding that you'll never get to like a fully even playing field. I think that's really, really hard, but getting as close to that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's so that's one core belief. And the other core belief I have is I believe now the, in financially viable solutions. So I believe, I believe in the markets, uh, I believe that incentives work. Um, so, uh, and, I, and that's why like, some of the typical nonprofit models of donor dependence, or like you relying on donors, um, sometimes I feel like struggle with scaling, struggle with, you know, with the uh, donors become a crush. And, um, and I got a chance to study this extensively when I was in Nairobi uh, mm-hmm. with one of uh, an organization I was working closely with who was struggling with just that, right? You kind of do what the donor says because the donor is funding you, and even if you fundamentally disagree with the donor, uh, you know, sometimes it's a battle you really want to be careful about fighting, right? And it's understandable. So, so these are two, like you know, two fundamental beliefs that I have. One is that you know I want to work on poverty. Second, I want financially viable solutions, and that's where social enterprise comes into play. Um, And. For that and many other philosophical reasons, which we don't have time to get into, um, that's a future work. Uh, but um, for those reasons, I've kind of narrowed in on the waste management space. Uh, oh, awesome. Waste management ha- employs um, informally employs waste pickers, which are arguably some of the most multidimensionally poor people um, in India and the world. I mean, the average mm-hmm. life expectancy is thirty nine years of age. They um, uh, they earn between eight to ten thousand to twelve thousand rupees a month, which isn't the lowest, but it, mm. it's um, it's it's low. Uh, they live in formal, I mean, it's informal employment, right? So no mm. contract, no health benefits. They don't have any PPE, um, so they're breathing in fumes. Sometimes they're like competing with dogs and cats in in like you not know, in, in in dumps. Uh, yep. it's, it's really it's 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 a, not a good life at all. Um, and also mm. very generational the occupation. So. Um, you know, if your children, if you have children, if you're a waste picker and you have a child, there's a very high probability your child will also become a waste picker, right? Mm -hmm. Like my waste picker here in, um, in, in, in the society I live in, his, his, uh, his mother was a waste picker. Right. Um, so it's very normal. Um, so that, so they're like very poor lives. And the second part about waste is that I really think there's untapped value in waste, right? Um, so only about 19% of the waste in India is treated. So 81% of it is like not treated. And some estimates say that, that the value of waste industry in India could be over could be a multi-billion dollar industry by 2025, right? So there's, there's like potential economic value in waste. Um, and there is like a massively poor population that it employs. Um, so there's this like big, there's this, um, from it's, it makes a lot of sense to me that there's something you can do here. And also the benefit is that, you know, when you're recycling waste, you're dealing with reducing waste, you're also helping the planet, right? But to be clear, um, that is not the primary goal for me, right? Mm. Um, focus is on human well-being, which uh, you know, stems from waste pickers. Um, and I also have to kind of cut it terms with the fact that maybe you know um, it it will take some time for me just to, to impact it significantly. But that's yeah. it, right? Like it's the long-term game that I want to play. So the social enterprise that um, that that I will be starting is called Ashaya, um, okay. and uh, and it's. Um, it's, and our goal is to increase the value of waste and fairly redistribute that value to the key stakeholders, especially those that are exploited, like the waste pickers, right? So you kind of increase the value of waste and make sure it's fairly redistributed uh, in a financially viable, sustainable uh, business model. Um, um, so, yeah, so I mean, I, the, the, the vision or the dream is to kind of combine the best of both worlds best of the for profit world and the best mm-hmm. of the nonprofit world. I think the nonprofit world has a lot of heart. Yep. Uh, whereas the for-profit world um, has a lo- is, is good operationally, probably better than the nonprofit space. Um, so I feel like there's something that, you know, I want to take the best of both the worlds that I've had the fortune to also, you know, get experience in um, and, and kind of innovate and build something amazing that, you know, focuses on long-term systemic solutions um, to poverty, um, especially for the waste pickers. Um, so it's really exciting. Uh, I am recruiting for, I'm looking for a chief scientist, um, somebody who can own like the innovation in um, uh, around, around waste and waste recycling. Um, so if, uh, you know, if anybody's interested, like, you know, please reach out, um, you know, that, that'll um, uh, formally, a formal, like, um, a formal application and, and process will be put out soon to kind of make, get, get going on that.
0: That sounds amazing, Anish. All the best with that um thank you i if you don't mind i want to dig in a little bit more into the business model so um if i understand it right so you are essentially going to be um a sort of an intermediary um connecting uh the informal waste pickers who might or might not be working with the government is that right so it's it's it's,
1: no not exactly right so So there is again, as this is a long-term game, so it gets layered. But the first, so my initial hypothesis is that you have, like, we you have to increase the value of waste, right? That's Mm. the first thing. So Mm -hmm. how can you take innov? How can you use innovation, or how can you use? ways or commercialized ways um, to increase the value of waste, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, PET bottles or like the plastic bottles you see, um, you know, it's not as big a problem in India as some think it is, right? Because 95% of the, of the PET bottles in India get recycled because of the informal economy we have, right? Oh. Um, so, um, so, for in, but, it, but at the same time, like soft plastics or like polythene bags or MLPs or multi-layered plastic, those are much bigger problems. Um, mm. Most of which gets dumped into landfills. Um, landfills and they don't get recycled. Right. So, so waste is a very complex space um, uh, both from a human resource perspective, like from like the people that it employs, and from the type of waste that you're dealing with. So the first step is to the first hypothesis that kind of this whole venture sits on is, can we increase the value of waste? Uh, which means that can you take, you know, 10 rupees of plastic and make it into 200 rupees of plastic at the, at a lower cost than what is out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and And then create incentives within the market to collect more waste right so once you once we have that then we'll start disrupting the supply chain as and when needed right because Mm -hmm. the whole point of this is to not like you know get rid of the waste pickers or get rid of the kabaddiwala kabaddiwala it's it's to kind of find the right solution that fits that, that has the people in the supply the key stakeholders in the supply chain living better lives, right? So yep. I mean, this sounds a little like Robin Hoodie, but like um, what you want to disrupt is more towards the other end of the supply chain, which is like, you know, very profitable. Like for instance, mm-hmm. manufacturers and, and even like large scale recyclers, um, their margins are much, much, much higher, uh, disproportionately higher, I would say, than these yep. right? So because so there like a little readjustment that we can do. Um, there. So I think, so, so that's why it's a long-term game. And I think one of the things I have to stomach is that, Hey Anish, you're not going to be impacting waste pickers lives. In, in the short run as much, right? There's a lot, a lot has to go correct. Uh, a lot has to like, you have to figure a lot more out, which is really scary At so to some extent, like, you know, like becoming, starting a consulting company on this, um, it was probably a much easier, much easier thing for me to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not doing this because it's easy, right? Like, so that's never been like, this is exactly, um, uh, I'm doing this because um, I, 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 because it makes the most sense for what I want to achieve. And yep it's complex doesn't it make it a doesn't make it a bad thing at all it's, it's it's
0: actually more interesting
1: because it's complex
0: yep as you've said to me a number of times none of this was meant to be easy so um yeah um that's awesome dude i uh, have a couple more questions before we wrap up sure. and that is uh, so the first is related to you know there's a lot of innovation happening um in the world of education now like people like yourself have gone out on a limb Um, design their own experiences for themselves. Um, So what um, advice would you give to people who are maybe, you know, in the age range of, let's say, 21, 22 to 30, so like basically in their first decade of work, what advice would you give to someone who wants to go about learning something but doesn't want to go to university?
1: I mean, I think, I mean, the advice that I would give is like what I get, what I did myself, I guess, or what, I, like what kind of helped me. So this is what I know best. It doesn't mean that it's the only way or, uh, so full caveat there, like this worked for yep. me and I, and I want to share. So hopefully maybe it helps somebody else. Uh, but like if finding that big goal is really important. Like if you have the fortune to, let's say, listen to this call or, you know, like not have to worry about going hungry and i pretty like, you know, you're, you're okay. Like getting, thinking about like getting an MBA. Um, you know, you probably have the ability to like, okay, to really take a step back and think, okay, what is that thing I want to commit myself to and forget like all of the, the societal norms that govern you, right. For, for um, uh, that kind of restrict what you want to do or, um, um, uh, or come in the way. Um, mm-hmm. also it's important. So, so find that big thing that really bothers you, a thing that you want to do, want to spend the rest of your life doing, I think there's no. But there's no rush into it. Like, I think, as the Angela Duckworth says, it's between the ages of 25 and 35, which is a, like, which is 10 years. So, like, don't rush into it. But I think aiming to get to that is the most, is, I think, is really important. And then having the courage to commit to it. Okay. I am committing to this. So, mm-hmm. once you commit to it, then the small, the, 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 the small, the smaller goals start coming together. So I think that's, um, so like, the, and then you can start focusing on the smaller goals and how to get to that bigger goal, right? One step at a time, one step at a time, and be open to like, you know, things evolving. Um, uh, but yeah, focusing on long-term gratification again is is uh, is is the secret. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, consume as much information as you can, right? Knowledge. Like I think I went through a patch where I didn't read for like Five ten years when I was in university and working in corporate America, I just thought, why, I have no time to read. You know, yeah. Worst years of my life, I think, when it comes to, I feel like, well, not worst years, but I really regret not having read um, much, time. but like, sort of consuming information and reading books over like just blog posts as well, or like long form articles, because uh, books go into a depth that a blog post can't get into, right? Um, so yeah. it's really important, like if you really are inter- interested in something to, to go into, um, go into depth because it's the secret sauce or like the real understanding is in the depth right and sometimes in this whole desire to summarize things like so much is lost and yeah. I think we don't understand i don't think we, we underestimate like um how much is lost in, in the summary so like to consume as information and the third thing is um is build skills right consuming knowledge is not enough uh, mm. um you need to be able to do Um, You need to be able to like, uh, whether it's coding, whether it's engineering, whether it's, um, you know, financial modeling, if you you consider that a hard skill, uh, whether it's copywriting, um, but like being really good at something. And yeah, it's it's a bonus if you enjoy what you're good at, but sometimes it's also sucking it up, right? Like sometimes, yeah, coding might not be something you love like you love, I don't know, playing video games, right? Uh, But then maybe that's something you have to like, kind of find your way towards. And I think that it's really hard for people to digest in today's world because we're in this like, ah, do what you love, do what you, yeah, do what you love. But then that also involves like, you know, like working out sometimes, right. You have to like, you know, you have to also involve doing something that you don't love. Like sometimes you do things you don't love to be able to do the big thing that you love. Right. Uh, I think realizing that um, is, is important. And I feel like this entitlement um, fad that, like some of us are getting into is is dangerous because um, you know um, as much as the worlds are oyster like uh, uh, the value we add is also important yeah. um, and um, I think so finding so the the three things I think right like one find your big goal be um, you know kind of take as much information which helps you find that big goal and um, and then see also build skills so that when you do find that big goal you have the skills you need to to get to that you know to to make that happen and make that possible yeah. um, and I yeah so you know pray.
0: Yeah. That is solid advice, my friend. Um, I wish you had gained it like five years earlier and told me this way back in like two thousand and fifteen. Never too
1: late, Ryan. It's
0: never. <laughs> <too late. laughs> that is true. That is true. After twenty five, um, maybe. now I'm kidding. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So I know you read voraciously. Uh, you've read. You've given me so many amazing book recommendations. Um. So last last question for our listeners three book recommendations um, whether related to social impact or life goals or anything your top three
1: so i mean a book that i recently that blew my mind that i um that i highly recommend is um a human uh humankind by ratka bregman um and he the whole hypothesis or the whole uh, the whole thesis of the book is that humans are basically decent people and it's amazing like he makes an incredible case for it um Mm -hmm. uh, and like he going all the way to the holocaust right so um you know he's trying to explain the holocaust under the hypothesis that uh, humans are decent so it's super interesting uh highly recommend it he's also a good writer so it's not like a boring or a heavy read it's actually Mm -hmm. um, um it's actually really interesting um from uh so that's one book i would recommend well, did I read uh, recently that um, uh, just, I mean, one book that is my go-to recommendation in general is Educated by Tara Westover. Um, it's a really popular book. So many of you might've read it, uh, but it's, it's an, it's a nonfiction narrative. Um, if you didn't know that and you read it, you'd be like, Oh, this is a fictional book. It's incredible. Tara Westover is like, is, is an amazing writer and her story is like so inspiring and so sad at the same time. So, uh, but like so, I highly recommend that um, book. Uh, and if you're into um, if you're into social enterprise and social impact, one book I would recommend from a hero of mine is uh, um, is um, uh, is by Lela Jana, and I forget the name. <laughs> Let me quickly look it up. Uh, 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 no, but it's uh, she passed away recently, which is so sad. She passed away after a rare form of uh, cancer um but she started this company called sama source um mm. and uh she wrote a book about her called give work um and uh and it's if you're into social enterprise and social impact and, and if let's say is a thing and you believe in like vocational training and empowerment um it's def- it's it's worth reading she is a really good writer um and um she did some amazing things with uh, with her social enterprise um and yeah and when she passed originally i wept and like I said, like i think I have I feel like I'm like growing up now I guess like I've been like weeping for like you know uh for people I've never met uh which is really mm. interesting but um but yeah I was really sad but yeah so that's it's a good book um it's so those are three books that I would recommend that you know kind of hit three different things
0: Sounds good man I I look forward to reading them as well I think uh I'm still to get through your list that you gave me when we met. When was it? Seven, eight months ago? Ah, they give you a list,
1: man. Jeez. Well,
0: I still have it on my WhatsApp. (laughs) 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 But um, but yeah. So. Awesome, dude. It's been amazing chatting with you. Oh, no, thanks for giving uh, me the floor.
1: And like, sorry, I like rambled on. I, just rambled. I need to figure that out. Yeah.
0: No, there's so much <laughs> useful stuff in this 30-minute episode. Um, Seriously, the, the ideas and the clarity with which you've spoken is, uh, is really, really great to see. And uh, I can't wait to connect with you in about six months, man. We need to do another one in six months. Sounds good. Cool. And, uh, and talk about Ashaya.